appreciate our recording sequence. We are starting our Granica sequence. I am also going to start our um, recording sequence uh, through Zoom to make sure we- Recording in progress. We have everything in line. I am admitting all public. Chair Riley, we are live and good afternoon, Chair Riley and EDAC members. This meeting has been held pursuant to government code section 54953E and in light of the declared state of emergency, the regular meeting of the Economic Development Advisory Committee for September 12, 2022 will be conducted telephonically through Zoom and broadcast live on the city's website. Welcome. Thank you, Serge, and welcome everyone to our September 12th uh, EDAC meeting. Um, from this meeting going forward, we'll move into our every other month meeting cadence. So I just wanted to point it out as we go through this meeting and think of things we wanna get uh, alignment on, we should look at the next two months of just gaining alignment so we can continue to execute, execute and keep our pace going. Um, before we jump in, um, Serge, would you be so kind as help me with a roll call? Chair sure, Bob Lalane. Yonder Ray. Present. Uh, Rachel Stodd. Absent. Scott Ornberg. Absent. Chris Gallagher. Here. Malcolm Morgan. Here. Walter Lemmerman. Walter is uh, no longer a member. Noted that. Um, Monica Finnegan. Here. Don Daglo. Absent. Secretary Teresa Ancona. Present. Vice Chair Green. Present. And Chair Riley. Present. Thank you very much. Before we move on to public comments, I do want to make uh, a comment, uh, and I think I speak for the whole Economic Development Advisory Committee, to express our tremendous thanks and appreciation for the service of Serge Avila. Um, Serge, it is, uh, it's been a true honor to work with you. Your professionalism, your uh, steadfastness, uh, your openness to just step up and do things, uh, even beyond uh, your assigned responsibilities uh, and um, your ability just to get things done is going to be sorely missed. Um, and so uh, I want to express that to you and wish you the, what well, do you mean to wish you luck? You're going to do great wherever you go, but uh, maybe our luck is a little extra added icing to make your career even that little bit better. But uh, thank you for every, everything you've done for the city of Sausalito and for this committee. Thank you, Chair Riley. It's been a pleasure working with you all. Thank you. Well, we're not done with you yet. We've got this last meeting. We're going to put you to work. So, That's right. <laughs> um, uh, at this time, I'd like to uh, open up to item number two for public comment for items that are not on the agenda. And Chair Riley, um, if you would like me to, I can provide instructions on how to provide public comment. Serge, would you please do that? Sure. Video or audio public comment participation is limited to three minutes per speaker. If you would like to make a comment, please raise your hand in the Zoom application and you will be called upon when is your time to speak. 
to raise your hand from a phone, press start nine, and each speaker will be notified when the time has elapsed. And Chair Riley, looks like we do have a hand raised. And Kevin, Carol, you've been unmuted and asked to share your video. Kevin, thank you for joining us. And Kevin, you'll need to unmute on your end. I believe this is Kevin Almeida. I think I was made co-host on accident instead of Kevin Carroll. Okay, you got me now? Yes, sir. Uh, I submitted a letter prior to the meeting about uh, an issue that was on the um, um, Marine Transit uh, meeting this morning about ferries and um, Sausalito. Um, they didn't really get into much detail about it, except to say they are going to, the staff is going to come with a proposal, uh, probably next month. And it's going to be based on a survey of 200 customers. Um, I didn't get a chance to speak after that. My concern being that's going to be 200 customers that took the shuttle to, um, your woods, not the people that are unable to. And I think this has a major economic impact on Sausalito as to whether or not the shuttle runs from Sausalito or not. When they restarted it after COVID, they only ran it out of Larkspur and it took them a while and some protests to get it out of Sausalito again. And I just think it's something that maybe the committee or uh, members of it might wanna comment on with the uh, board members of that organization to see that uh, we are included in it because it, it does have a dramatic impact on our uh, visitor count. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. And uh, I had not seen your letter before uh, this conversation, but we'll follow up on that and uh, make sure that uh, all the other REDAC members have access to it as well. Chair Riley, there are no other hands raised. Okay, thank you. Um, Moving on, business item number three is approval of minutes. This time there are no minutes to be approved. So we will uh, advance to uh, business item 4.1. And uh, our format for these business items is that uh, we'll have a presentation followed by questions of that uh, presenter. Um, we'll open up for public comment and then we'll have uh, any that discussion. Our first item 4.1 is to revisit the business improvement district. Uh, just to remind everyone on EDAC, we had voted earlier this year to include in our financial recommendations to the city to put uh, dollars aside to pursue a business improvement district. Uh, and this is in response to a city council's request we look into this. Uh, Cass uh, is going to give us a presentation on an update on what our recommendations are around a business improvement district. Um, and I would look for our city manager and city council liaisons on if this information is adequate to be carried forward to you, uh, Mr. Zapata, or does it need to go to city council? Um, and if uh, other EDAC members have any other input uh, before we uh, present this to the council. So with that, um, we'll ask Cass to uh, present. Thank you, Chair Riley. Um, I can everybody see my screen okay? Yes. Yeah, okay, thank you, great. Okay, this is a presentation of the EDAC Business Improvement District Subcommittee. 
And the members of the committee are Teresa Ancona, Monica Finnegan, and myself. And there we go. Okay. So why are we pursuing a bid for Sausalito? And I think um, Tom, Chair Riley just uh, gave a good overview of that. But if you remember in the winter of 2022, uh, EDAC conducted a survey of the membership to see what our top priorities would be for the next year. And uh, we, we listed uh, implementation of a bid as the number one thing that we should be pursuing. Um, and we said that we, we sent 12 ideas up to the city council, the bid had the most votes. And subsequently the city council came back and said that their top priority was for us to pursue a business improvement district. So in, in June, we uh, EDAC voted to send a letter to the city liaisons and the city manager uh, requesting that excess funding for EDAC projects from last fiscal year be directed to four new initiatives and that included the implementation of a bid. And we actually sent that letter uh, on June 9th. So this is just from our votes, from EDAC's prioritization, you can see that the bid for uh, downtown in Caledonia uh, is the, was the, our number one priority. So we're just gonna report on where we are and where we need to go on this uh, initiative. So what is a business improvement district? Uh, it's a nonprofit organization that provides supplemental services to a predetermined geographic area. That's the district, it's defined geographically, within which a combination of businesses and or landowners, including the city as a landowner, are required to pay a tax or fee to fund projects within the district's boundary that benefit the assessed businesses and or properties. So it's a, a district, you can think of sanitary districts, you know, other open space districts. This is a district. Uh, it's very interesting because it's a public-private hybrid. It's not just a public district, but it's a combination of public and private. Um, the bid can also uh, draw on other public and uh, private funding streams, not just the fees, um, such as you know going after grants or, or uh, well, mostly going after grants. And uh, a lot of the information in this presentation, there's a link in the in the presentation to to a paper produced by the state of California about business uh, districts. And you might wanna look at that if you want more detail. So what if, what do bids typically do and what would our bid typically do? Uh, again, what the bid does is determined by the board of directors of the bid. But here's, a, here's some examples of some of the things they do. And they usually, uh, they're, they're, the bid funds services that the businesses, and, and the members of the bid, uh, including the city, um, feel are not being performed with existing tax revenues. Uh, they're not being adequately performed. So this this adds more services that can be produced um, from the by the business district. And typically, it's cleaning streets and sidewalks, providing security, uh, making capital improvements, uh, construction of pedestrian and street scape enhancements, marketing and promoting. Uh, promotion of the area, parking or transportation related services, economic development, special lighting, uh, business uh, attraction and retention, 
sponsoring special events and beautification and decorations. And you'll look at this list and you'll think, well, gee, that EDAC does a lot of that stuff. And that, that is exactly right. This would um, create more of a formal revenue stream for the work that EDAC has been doing. So the benefits of a bid are that the, the goal is to drive sales, uh, no doubt about it. It's to drive business revenue, but because it also drives business tax revenues. So they're linked there. Uh, encourage, encourages businesses, landowners of the city to collaborate and invest in mutual success. Um, and, and that's a big part of a bid. Everybody is on the same team uh, working uh, for success and improving the economic environment of the city or of the district area, um, boosting the attractiveness of the business area, improving security, increasing marketing efforts and attracting new businesses and also retaining existing businesses in the city. Because the city's a landowner in the district and we're, will therefore pay bid fees, the bid forces the city to consistently invest in the business environment of the city. And right now, as you all know, that funding is very inconsistent. And so the bid um, forces that funding. It also, it's also this private-public partnership where the private organizations are putting money into it. And so it's, it's, a, it's, it's just a really great way of uh, focusing some investment in the, in the business district. Uh, they're common. Uh, they've been used for years by, throughout the nation. California's got the second highest number of bids in the nation. Uh, there are three major types of bids, uh, property-based, tourism-based, or business-based. Uh, Marin County already has two bids, one in Novato and another in San Rafael, and San Francisco has seven. Uh, so they are, San Diego's got several too. So they're, you know, they're, they're very common. Um, the, the way the assessments are made in the bid, it's either against a business, if it's against a business, it's collected by cities along with their business license taxes. If it's uh, uh, assessments against property, they're usually collected on the property tax roll. So uh, I'm gonna go through the different types of bids that there are very, very briefly. And again, if you want more detail, go to the document I referenced earlier. There's a hot link in the presentation to it. But to establish, there's a property and business improvement districts and to establish a, a PBID, the local city council or board of supervisors must hold a public hearing and mail ballots to property owners uh, in the district. This is a property owner-based uh, bid. Uh, if there's a vote in favor of it, the bid can, can, it can be adopted by the ordinance, uh, by the local government. And assessment methods are determined by each um, PBID based on a combination of factors uh, that are usually established in the establishment of the bid. And I'll talk about that in a little bit more. In a minute. A tourism business improvement district um, is, in, in that case, the hospitality and tourism business is within in a district that will pay 50% of the total assessment amount, must submit a petition to the city council that they want to create a tourism bid. Uh, three council hearings that offer the option for public protests are required to approvement, so the public can protest the creation of this bid. And assessment methods, again, vary um, and usually include nightly fees added to hotel rooms that can be paid by the hotel or passed on to guests or fees uh, based on gross revenue. And then the final one and, and the one that uh, we're recommending is the business-based improvement district. Uh, this is probably the most common type of bid. 
And to establish a BBID, local business owners give their city council a petition signed by 20% of the businesses within the district. The council then mails a ballot to all eligible businesses in the proposed BBID. And if there is a majority vote in favor of it, the council then conducts two public hearings. If there are no written protests from 50% or more of the district's business owner, the council can approve the bid. So again, you have to have more than 50% of the district's business owners saying they don't want it. Um, if, the, if that 50% threshold is not reached, then the council uh, can approve the bid. And again, this is the type of one we're recommending. So state law governs bids. Um, it's, there are city ordinances involved, but it's the state, state laws. There are two different state laws, uh, and I'm not going to go into the detail of these guys. Uh, I couldn't, frankly, on my own. But if you want to understand the differences more, um, there's a really great article uh, that was written for the, I think, the, the Association of City Governments in California that, that talks about uh, the different city laws. It, it, it's a really good article. It really goes into a lot of detail about the pros and cons and 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 makes suggestions about making sure that you avoid any conflict uh, by you know following some advice from existing bids that have existed for a while. So how are they established? I gave you a little bit of that by the different bids, but there, the establishment depends on the type being pursued. Um, usually it's a combination of public hearings and some sort of balloting. The bid's program of services, what the bid is actually going to do, serve, the improvements it does, and assessments are described in documents created during the establishment of the bid. And that's usually done by a bid consultant because this is a very complex and sophisticated uh, uh, environment. And usually the, the, the most efficient way to work this is is through a consultant. Um, so again, the what the bid is going to do, the types of services improvements, that is all developed in the documents that create the bid. Um, a city council can only establish a bid after the owners of the businesses or property have indicated their support or lack of opposition for the bid um, via a petition, a ballot, or protest. So um, I think I've gone through some of the methods, uh, but there has to be public hearings. There has to be a vote. It doesn't go anywhere if uh, those two things ha don't happen. How are they managed? Um, cities can structure bids so that they're managing them directly. It's much more common to do, to do the management through a nonprofit. Um, so it's much more common for services and improvements to be provided by some sort of a nonprofit organization that's formed by the bid proponents specifically to serve the bid. Um, the organization, the bid, it's the organization that is managing the bid is governed by their articles of incorporation and their bylaws, which are implemented by a board of directors elected by the businesses and or property owners subject to the assessment. So of course, if, since the city would be being assessed, they would be on the board of directors. They'd have some sort of a seat, seat on the board of directors, but they wouldn't be managing the business improvement district. Uh, that would be done by the nonprofit organization. The organizations, the associations that are actually running the bid, the organizations usually have some sort of administrative staff 
in a small city like Sausalito, it's probably just going to be an executive director. Um, and then the bid uh, subcontracts out with other firms to provide services. So say with the lighting that we have all agreed we want to do downtown, uh, instead of uh, me searching around for some sort of an organization to be the fiscal sponsor, uh, it would you'd have the bid do that. The bid would run it. They would subcontract out to a lighting subcontractor to get the work done, but the bid would be managing and also would be the fiscal sponsor of the project. So what are our next steps? When the first time we started talking about a bid, uh, not the first time we started talking about it, but when I first presented on it, uh, we had said, here's some steps. And one was meet with experts and read materials to understand how they work and a choice of what type to pursue, and then develop use cases and promotional materials, and then market the, the bid, B bid to property owners and merchants and determine if there's a likelihood that the Sausalito and Caledonia, Caledonia business would support the creation of the B bid. Um, what's happened in step one is that we've learned that you know, after interviewing the leadership of several established bids, as well as a bid consultant, it became evident that consultants usually perform steps two and three. So they usually develop the use cases and the promotional materials, and they usually market it. Um, though I if we go down this route, I, I certainly would hope that the subcommittee and EDAC would be involved in this and, and be able to support the consultant in pitching uh, this district to the business owners. Um, so we'd like to recommend that EDAC, uh, that the subcommittee would like to recommend that EDAC advocate to the city council, that the city proceed or to the city manager. And I think Chris will have to clarify what needs to happen here. So uh, that we proceed with the development of RP to retain a bid consultant as, as soon as possible. So we get moving on this. Um, and that this, the subcommittee uh, remains engaged and will support the city in this process in any way we can, in any way we're needed, including helping to draft an RFP if appropriate or you know whatever is needed. I, I think there's a commitment that we wanna move forward and get this done. And uh, any way we can help and move that along, uh, uh, we are there uh, for this effort. So Chair Riley, that's the, all of my slides, and we can open it up to questions now if you want. Cass, uh, thank you for a very thorough and efficient presentation. Um, I think you might have a business as a consultant. For, uh, <laughs> Not as a big consultant, but you know my other career as a consultant, right? <laughs> so. um, I did. I have a couple questions, then also I'm sure others do. Um, do you have a sense of how how many dollars a year a bid would need to operate in a city like ours? That's a really good question. Uh, and no, I don't. Um, you know, Chris has got more experience than I do, so he might be able to to uh, uh, fill in, you know, to answer that uh, a little bit more. But if you look at the amount of money that we've been asking this, that EDAC has been asking this city for, you know, it's been about $200,000 a year, $150,000 to $200,000 a year. So that could translate like, well, maybe that's what a bid would need uh, to operate. But I would imagine the consultant would look at the services that we we think the businesses would benefit from, size that, and that size of the bid, and it might change, you know. Yeah, it's going to evolve. It's going to evolve. And some, the, 
the really successful bids really grow. Uh, I, you know, I don't know that Sausalito has room to grow, but you know, I talked to a fellow from San Diego, from Little Italy in San Diego, and um, boy, they have really grown. Uh, but they also had a lot of redevelopment going on in the area, and that's that's not going to happen for us. And then you had mentioned um, a distinction between property owners and landlords and businesses. Um, do you have a sense? Would we are we looking for both to participate or one or the other to participate? That's what I would suggest. That both. Um, I, there may be advice. A consultant may come back and say, no, it's got to be one or the other. Um, usually when property owners participate, so this may be the reason to only have businesses, property owners just, they pass it on in their rents. So yeah, I do the know fee goes right into their rents. So maybe that we just do it through business owners because they're going to pay for it one way or another. But when property owners have vacancies, they are paying for it, right? That's they're true. That's, that's a good point. That's a very good point. It would be an incentive not to be vacant. Right. Yeah, but you know, all the property owners with vacancies, they're paying property taxes now. I mean, they have incentives not to be vacant. And, you know, as an owner of commercial property, you know, I hate it when we're vacant because we're paying the property taxes and the utilities. So um, I'm not quite sure why people keep their properties vacant. All right, other EDAC member questions. Quiet group today. Okay, um, well, let's ask a question of Mr. Zapata. Um, Chris, you have experience with these. Um, we had put this in our original funding request uh, in response to the city council asking us to look at a bid. Um, the request is we'd like to move forward with issuing an RFP for a consultant to advance this. Um, what, what next steps do we need to make that happen? Submit this to you, council. Yeah, let me, let me help you with that. That's appreciate all the work that, that Cass has done to provide this information. Um, you've already asked the council, they've already said do this. Uh, you said you'd come back with, you know, some type of formal request from EDAC. And so uh, if today you said as a board, uh, we heard the subcommittee's report, uh, we as a board agree that, you know, we want to request that the city move forward in hiring a, a bid consultant and willing to help draft the uh, RFP for that service. That's all I would need because I don't think you have to go back to the council again. Uh, and I think the last go round we talked about what that might cost and spending your numbers at about 85k, 85,000 sounds yes. a little high. To, sounds a little high to me, but it's 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 a number that we can we we said that in unspent funds that you didn't spend last year that we could request that the council uh, reprogram those, and that was their top priority is a BID formation. So uh, it's just a simple debate in me and your in my mind of you all saying. Uh, we want to formally request this as EDAC to the city manager, write me a little letter kind of summarizing what was said today and the vote, and then I'll take it to the agenda setting committee and we'll put it on. Uh, I think that's the approach. And that's because you've already done all the legwork in advance to let the council know. We want to know what your priorities are and we want to uh, work on those priorities. And they said this was their top priority. So I don't see a need of going back to them and requesting to request. Just yes or no, uh, you're going to find a consultant. I think the one thing that uh, I would be very, very clear about is 
Uh, I would have to write the staff report uh, in concert with the letter or the request for MEDAC because there's some nuances to it that I think can't be lost. Number one is why would the city spend $85,000? What would it be attempting to gain given our financial uh, challenges at this time? And so I'd want to be able to write the staff report um, based on the request from uh, this group, if, if that's the will of the group that you want to do that, make that formal request and, and the type of BID you think makes sense to form. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, as a group, we have voted by this back in the May time frame, I believe, um, to advance this. Uh, today was really to look at the content that we would be sending to you yep. to make sure that it was thorough and complete. Um, I think we can draft a letter with this PowerPoint attached uh, and present that to you and then provide assistance on your, your staff letter or whatever you need to complete that. Yeah, no need to be in the hamster wheelchair, Riley. We, I think you can jump out of it now and we can see, you know, if the council will commit to, you know, this priority that they asked. And that, you know, I believe, you know, is, is vitally important to, to Sausalito. Uh, the question was raised earlier about what the amount could be or should be or would be. And, you know, uh, I can give you some examples in um, San Leandro. The first budget was around the $300,000 range. And it was a size, you know, maybe a little bit larger than what it is that you have um, in mind with Caledonia and downtown. But, but you know, I think uh, some definition of a boundary is going to be critical uh, because, you know, what is downtown? How, how far does that go? Uh, obviously, I think Caledonia is pretty straightforward. But, you know, that boundary definition is going to be really important for the consultant to look at and then kind of devise the ballot question so that the public can weigh in and then the vote can be taken. And if in fact it does happen, it should be a property tax assessment. That's the cleanest way to do it. Not a um, business license add-on. I think uh, the property tax is more certain and you know uh, easier to administer in the city side. Uh, and also when you, I appreciate what Cass said about what they do and, and it's, it's truly what the board and the directors that are part of the payees that have skin in the game are the ones that pay the money and should be the ones to decide uh, how these re resources are spent. Because uh, when you don't spend them appropriately for the membership that's investing that money, um, that's when you run into problems. And, and I saw a successful BID in National City and I saw an unsuccessful one in National City. And it was because people spent paid money into it and didn't see a result that drove their business environment. And so they said, this is not doing any good. And after five years, they disbanded it uh, and gave the city back its money, which, <laughs> okay. Uh, so I, I think the idea that your board is going to really be the magic to the success of a BID and hiring a good, um, uh, either a firm or a person to carry out the intent of the board uh, to make those investments and, you know, hard improvements or, uh, eventing and things that you know that make people come to Sausalito and make the locals happy. That's really important. So uh, I'm excited for you. Uh, I, I applaud um, uh, Cass and the team for really doing this and, and, and getting it. Um, I presented this to the um, Sausalito Beautiful people back in, I don't know, last year sometime, and they were enthusiastic about it. Didn't really understand a lot of it, but they thought anything that helps us maintain 
what we improve is really beneficial. So uh, I think you spelled out very well, Cass, all of the attributes and also some of the um, things that you'd want to pause on that, you know, you know, it's, it's not, they can fail. Believe me, they can fail. But if they're done right, you know, they're just like rocket fuel to uh, what the city should do and sometimes doesn't do. Okay. Thank you, uh, city manager. Uh, that clarification really helps. So we're still uh, at question times. I see John DeRay has a question. Then we'll, after question, we'll go to public comment. Then we'll wrap this up. So John. Thanks, Tom. Um, Cass, thank you for the presentation. Uh, it was really good. Um, I, I have some concerns about, uh, you know, the spend here, but after hearing the city manager, who I know has, uh, uh, you know, great concern about the finances of the city, and, you know, it makes me feel a lot better that I could support this. Um, I, I did, though, want to have uh, get a clarification um, that the proportion of the input has to do, as I recall, with the, uh, the, the amount of property that an entity has. And what I'm thinking is that the city of Sausalito, Caledonia, has the most property. So they would be the biggest contributor to this. And so obviously they, you know, the city has approved this, you know, $85,000, I suppose, uh, to set this up. There will be a recurring cost. And I wonder if any, you know, if, if there's any comment on what that recurring cost would be to the city um, that would go into this uh, business improvement district. Um, the other uh, question I had, you mentioned a nonprofit would uh, be set up likely for this. And I'm wondering what kind of nonprofit that is. Is, is that a, a, a tax deductible or some other type of entity? I would imagine some other entity. And then the last uh, comment I had is, is, I think one of the bullet points showed marketing could be one of the things that could uh, be uh, used. Um, this, the source, the funding could be used for. Is there some overlap with um, the chamber uh, on that is my other uh, question. Um, I, I'm gonna let Chris answer some of these. Uh, with I think the only way the bid will work successfully is if we're working hand in glove with the chamber. Um, so, I, you know, that's, that's just a given. It has to be, you know, they do different things, but they have to be hand in glove in many ways. Um, and John, I'm sorry. The first two questions have gone the, the right out of my head. The, the uh, nonprofit part of it. Um, I don't know what kind of a nonprofit. I, I would look to the consultant to to give us advice on the okay. best form of nonprofit. Okay. Yeah. And Cass, may I answer one question, John? Yeah. Um, my understanding is like when we say the city will participate, the city's a landlord. You know, owns the Saucedo Center for the Arts. It owns the Gene Hiller Building owns a number of buildings and those will participate whether and, and it's based on linear footage on the street that was the other question yeah right? so it's not the size of building it's the linear footage you have and then you say well does it include the fire department and the police department you could create a geography that doesn't include those buildings right and say the geography is here yeah. so um i would look at and say retail buildings like the gene hiller and the sca should be included um, a fire department, police department, I wouldn't include in the geography. Yeah, actually, I disagree with you, Tom. I, I think we want to include the fire department and the police department. That's commonly what, what cities do, what okay. bids do. Yeah. 
and okay. parks too. And, and I, yeah, I was thinking more of the park on Caledonia, the, the park slash, yeah, the park, City Hall Park, which is John. I do think when a consultant completes uh, their work after an RFP, all this will come to the forefront. Like, this is what the actual costs are. And then public opinion come out and say, we support it or don't. Got it. Yep. And also, John, there's not a recurring cost to the city besides the fees that they pay as because they're a property owner. That's what I meant. You would ask, yeah, what, you know, what be? will yeah. be more, they'll pay their fees as a property owner, but nothing else. Right. Hey, Chris was going to say something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was going to say exactly that. That's so a one time cost to set up the BID, and then we have a recurring cost if we're yeah, in the BID. Uh, but I want to speak to the financial consideration that you mentioned. Because it sounds counterintuitive. If the city doesn't have money, why is the city committing to spending money? Because it truly creates what I call a private-public partnership and that the money that the city spends is augmented by private money to do something that benefits both the city and uh, the business and the property owners that are involved. So, you know, in the case of um, uh, San Leandro, we made sure City Hall and our parking lot were included because we would be payees. And at the same time, knowing our portion was in the magnitude of about uh, a fifth of the total budget, that meant that somebody else was paying four fifths of it. And that's private property owners. And that was all gonna benefit downtown, which benefits the cities and benefits the businesses, the churches and the school and the BART people were the hard ones to convince, but we did. So here, you know, when you hear me crying poor all the time because Sausalito's had this structural <laughs> deficit, uh, what I'm trying to do is build new revenue streams into the city so that maintenance can be done, events can be done, marketing can be done. It can be done on a constant basis and not on a, do we have it this year or this month? And, you know, the BID prevent, provides that kind of a mechanism where, you know, the landowner participates with the city to up the ante. We may spend $100,000 a year downtown, but if this thing were to uh, go into effect, it would mean that, you know, two, three, whatever the, the formula is going to be, it's additive. And so the city is then locked in to that commitment to the life of the BID. And then the money that comes in to augment that is locked in as well. And so you have a bigger, bigger revenue stream than you would if it's just the city you're depending on. That's why uh, I think it's so important for uh, this to happen. Thank you, Chris. Uh, Julie? Julie, you have your hand up? Yes. Um, I think John asked about the type of nonprofit that would, in the bids that I have been involved in, it's a, a six, it's not a tax deductible nonprofit. So it's going to be a six or a four, I believe. But it's not that you would make a donor, it, you can't deduct it from your taxes. It's like, paying taxes you can't deduct it so yeah it's not going to be a, a non oops, where someone could donate and write it off great thank you um i see no other questions from the committee members uh serge can you help me open up for public comment on this discussion about a business improvement district sure and chair riley um i don't see any hands raised for this particular item Oh, pardon me, we have Peter Van Meter. And Peter, you've been unmuted and asked to share your video. Welcome, Peter. Yes, uh, thank you. No video today. But um, 
I understand what you're saying, uh, Chris, our city manager, excuse me, is saying about the participation of the city, which is be a property participation, because that would be as a landowner. Um, I wonder about then the actual business district itself, because over the years, it seems to me there's been a disconnect between property owners and the benefit to their tenants, the merchants. And um, some of them, although you folks are in much closer contact with owners today than I ever was, and maybe can answer that question, but it seems to me that they would be less interested in having the district because they may not see the benefit to them as property owners if the merchants actually do better because of the district or the district is improved. While the merchant themselves could, I think, see a direct benefit from all the things that the business improvement district could do. So they'd be more likely to vote in favor of the bid, in my opinion, than the property owner. Uh, but that would be just something I would be concerned about is actually a success going ahead if the property owners cannot see the benefit to them uh, as opposed to simply the merchant. Thank you, Peter. Uh, Serge, any other comments from the public? Okay, I assume not. I see no other hands raised, Chair Riley. Okay, um, Cass, you and the subcommittee have uh, March orders to submit the information to Mr. Zapata. Yes, we'll we'll draft up a letter to send to to the city manager um, this week. Thank you, and thank you to you and your subcommittee for all the great work. Um, quite a learning lesson for all of us. So thank you. It's been so, a pleasure. Uh, Chair, uh, Chair Rally, so I'm to take it that the EDAC uh, board, not the subcommittee, is in favor of submitting a request for the city to form a bid. Is that what I'm hearing? Yes, and we had taken that vote back in yeah. the mid conference. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, we're going to move on to item 4.2, which are subcommittee report outs. Um, and I also left one off here, which was, and Cass reminded me, um, the work that's going on with the lighting subcommittee. So we'll cover that at the end, but can we start uh, in the order that we have with uh, a marketing subcommittee report out? I don't think Scott Thornburg's joined us, but Kevin Almeida's with us. So Kevin, can you uh, lead this discussion? Sure, thank you, Tom. Let me just share my screen real quick. <clears throat> All right, hello everybody. Um, I don't know if you have any issues sharing. Uh, seeing my screen, I have um, been told that this actually has been cropping during uh, presentations. So let me know if this is looking cropped to anybody. So a uh, couple of things to go over uh, for marketing update of this month. Uh, one thing that was was pretty nice, we got featured on the Sunset Travel Awards for Sunset Magazine, and they're. 2022 directory of where to go. Uh, it wasn't us, but Cabala Point was also featured in the where to stay directory. A um, couple of highlights, we got 19 placements uh, for the Galilee Harbor Maritime Day, 13 for the Emerging Artists event, uh, and 12 placements for the upcoming Wednesday Night Live, uh, including coverage in Marin Independent Journal, uh, Walnut Creek Magazine, and, uh, and The Chronicle. Uh, we produced three lightweight uh, Instagram reels, which all performed very well. This is not going to be just an ongoing thing we're, we're doing every month. Part one of uh, this past month was restaurants shopping and art shops and galleries. Um, they 
totaled uh, about 1,400 uh, video plays between the three of them with a minimal uh, investment of labor hours. Uh, and then on social media, our theme for the month was hidden gems. We had <clears throat> three posts so far. We have Black Sands Beach posting later this week. These were recommendations made by the community. Uh, this uh, wound up performing really, really well. We were inspired to do this after the previous month when we had a hidden gems uh, uh, video play on Instagram Reels that received 6,000 organic plays. And uh, we continue to be very successful this month. Each of these posts received over 1,000 video plays. Um, so we're looking at this as something that is definitely taking us in the right direction of something that it clicks for uh, the audience that we're looking to hit uh, and hits that, um, that kind of nice balance between it being interesting uh, and unexpected and different, which people sit up and pay attention. In addition to, um, you know, the, the, the ongoing content that we've been posting on social media, highlighting uh, businesses and attractions. We also had a couple of initial meetings with uh, Monica and Scott and various other arts stakeholders uh, to discuss the South Leader Center for the Arts. This is still uh, preliminary. I know uh, demos coming up, um, but what we did was we mapped out communications channels. Uh, Monica may have more details for this uh, soon, and we are now in the process of drafting a press release about demo and announcing. Uh, and we did a very, very early concept mock of what a brochure might look like or the conference campus concept, which would be to attract uh, small um, uh, uh, small uh, work meetings uh, to the to the event that would then have a partnership with uh, hotels and other local businesses. Looking forward to next month, our theme is going to be focusing on marineship, maritime culture, and industry. Uh, so that means things like working waterfront, boating activities, tours, um, the various educational attractions along the waterfront. Uh, and uh, businesses and attractions in Marinship. Uh, we are going to be doing three more Instagram reels, focusing again on restaurants and shopping, and we're swapping out arts and galleries for attractions next month. And we have a number of PR initiatives that are starting now, for the, uh, moving into the, the end of Q3 and the, and the rest of the year, which will be, the big one is we're now doing outreach for a holiday by the Bay. Um, so as more details come in, that'll become more detailed outreach, but we're um, starting this week, we actually have various print magazines we're reaching out to because of publication dates. Um, we're targeting Sacramento area, Sonoma area, and Central Valley, in addition to obviously the Bay Area. Um, South Salute Center for the Arts, that's going to be um, something that we're going to be layering into not just its own announcement, but we'll want to be layering that in thematically to other event announcements. For example, the Holiday by the Bay, any kind of artistic thing that's happening there, we probably want to tie it into the story of Sausalito increasingly becoming a, a hub and a cultural uh, a cultural destination and Southeast Center for the Arts being a piece of that. Uh, obviously Halloween coming up and various um, uh, recurring events including Glitter and Gold Party, uh, Wednesday Night Live, and Art Weekend coming up in about a month. You're looking at our results, you move this out of the way, looking at our results for um, the past month. Um, we have about 100 published posts to date for the quarter. So we're tracking pretty much what we've been seeing for the year. Um, we had, uh, again, a lot of digital coverage uh, in this quarter for the 4th of July. So that's where you see that big balloon um, in increase in, in coverage so far and also in social sharing. Um, just this past month, we had um, a lot of increased followers coming in, especially for Facebook. We've had very little increase in new followers for Facebook in the past year. Um, but these hidden gems uh, 
posts actually drove a lot of interest with people who hadn't previously been following Salcedo, and that um, that increased our follower count um, pretty significantly. Um, it's more followers than we have combined for the previous three quarters combined. Um, all, our reach and engagement levels maintain pretty consistent. The number of visitors, the number, the percentage of people reaching on social media uh, has actually gone up a little bit in terms of how many of them are visitors versus sales leader residents. Uh, we produced six creative assets. We'll be producing even more. So this will be a more creative production. We're also going to be distributing um, these reels now on TikTok moving forward. And so we're building a destination South Salido TikTok. And we'll be running a small amount of uh, boosted spend uh, just because they're performing well enough that it justifies it. So it'll be a small amount of monthly uh, boosted social media spend. Uh, we haven't done paid advertising today. We're saving that up for the second half of the year with some of the larger event series coming up. All right. Um, that um, brings me to the end of my presentation. Any questions? Uh, I'm sure there'll be questions, but I was going to maybe turn over to Monica as part of this marketing update to see if you have an update as well, Monica, and then we can go to questions. Maybe I caught Monica off guard. Okay, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, um, one of the things to sort of echo on some of the uh, Kevin comments is that um, Scott Thornburg and I have been sending um, the um, information to some of the merchants to connect with CDA for some announcements that they have in their own businesses so they can reach out directly to CDA. For example, we've talked to Cheryl Pop about all the activities that she's going uh, doing at Books by the Bay. So I think there's going to be developed a lot more um, program that that uh, Kevin can be marketing. Um, I will say that we are starting some of the work for the Holiday by the Bay, and we have uh, uh, several of the events sort of locked in, and we're working with Kim Huff and some of the others on um, formulating all of the activities for Holiday by the Bay. So that is underway. Um, one thing that is not added to this, and CDA will be a part of this at some point, but um, we've started with Yoshi and with Jeff Shiraz and with Scott Jambo uh, to discuss Restaurant Week. And Scott Jambo is a resident here, and he used to um, manage all of the um, uh, Restaurant Week for um, Open Table. And so he's offered to help us organize a restaurant week kind of discussion with some of the restaurateurs and things like that. So an outline is being developed to have that conversation and it's targeted to do something maybe in March. So we need to get the restaurants to buy in on that, but we certainly have a, a capable person to help us manage through that process. Um, one other thing that, just to put on a checklist and maybe not uh, tackle until sometime next year or whatever, is I stopped at the, the, the film that was being produced uh, here in Sausalito um, where everybody was um, camping out near the Marina Plaza. I stopped and met the site locator and I asked him about site location and how we might be able to capture a lot more of that activity. And uh, he steered me to the San Rafael uh, film site, 
And I think it's something that we could replicate because if, if we wanted to, I think it's low hanging fruit. We have a lot more to offer here than San Rafael might. And he was gung ho on this. He just hoped that we could have a little bit more of a streamlined uh, plan. So I've got his contact and he's very interested in helping us think through some of that. So I think that's something that EDAC or whatever marketing uh, group we end up working with um, takes a look at because I do think there's a lot of low hanging fruit that we could capture. So that's that. Awesome. Cass, you have a comment. Uh, it was just a note for Kevin. Um, Kevin, for your hidden gems, there, and we could talk about this offline. There's a hike that is just killer that, that you can do from downtown that goes up over the Robin Williams Tunnel uh, with just spectacular views and then goes along the ridge line and then comes back into downtown. And so it, hardly anybody knows about this hike and it's all in National Park Service land and some of it's on city streets, uh, but it's really beautiful. I mean, it's really the views are just incredible. So if you want that for hid hidden gem, I can scope it out or just call me. Yes, you, you have the map of the hidden stairs, which is another Yeah, thing. Yeah, we do. I think Kevin's got that. We've got the stairs. So, so specifically what we're looking for, and if you have this content, that's great. It's, it's um, because we're not sending people out with like cam um, yeah. you know, cameras and stuff to do it. So it's, it's basically what we're looking for is existing content, like existing video content that either visitors have shared, or, you know, people who are, are travel enthusiasts. Um, and, and so if there is, if you, I, I know your, your guys' website or, or, or the chamber's website, there's lots of beautiful video of the surrounding areas and, and little hidden locations like that. So anything like that, that we can use in social media, that would definitely be something to share. I, I have lots of videos from that hike because it's so beautiful. So Great. I've got lots of material. It's good because I think Kevin was saying he's not volunteering to do the hike. <laughs> oh, I'll, 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 I'll do the, I'll do the hike. I need to get back in shape anyway. I've been, <laughs> been cooped up with my kids for too long. I gotta get out and get some more cardio. Thank you, Mara. Hey, Tom, um, did you want to talk about the boat show here or later? Oh, here's a good time. Okay. Um, and then Tom can echo, I'll, I'll lead in. And when we tried to do this last year and we found out that a boat show was well beyond our grade or pay grade and we knew not that much about it and we didn't have enough time and there's a lot of activity that's required. So it's a great idea. It was actually Tom's idea to begin with. And um, just on a lark, I um, Googled the boat show that was over in Richmond and I found out that they have sold themselves to another group and they're looking for a location. And so Tom and I called the um, operators and we got an enthusiastic reception. From there, Tom has talked to uh, Clipper Harbor and maybe Tom can summarize that conversation. Yeah, well, I think uh, Malcolm, you'll be familiar with this. It's the uh, California Yacht Brokers Association has taken over Sail America, which was a boat show held in Richmond. And they're looking for a new location. Um, They'd be super excited about Sausalito, but they're also looking at West Point, which is a brand new marina down in Redwood City. And um, their needs are to have 80 to 100 landside booths for merchants and 60 to 80 water slips uh, for boats, both used and new. 
that would be provided by brokers. Um, they believe they could draw three to 4,000 people a day over a three-day period. Um, it would be ideal to you know, find a place like Clipper Yacht Harbor. Uh, the challenge, and I met with the Harbor Master and he's talking with the owners, um, but uh, the challenge is finding 60, 80 waterside slips because we don't have those vacancies. And so it would require a shuffling of boats, what have you. But we're in early conversations. Um, this is the kind of thing where if we can land it and understand how to make it successful, it would be a new event. Um, and this would be this would be an event that's geared towards our maritime industry. So for all our service providers, for our brokers, as well as it'd be advantageous for the marina operator as well, because they'll um, earn fees from providing their property. So, uh, and then uh, these types of boat shows attract overnight guests. So I have uh, over the years traveled to Fort Lauderdale for a boat show. And so then it's advantageous for our hotels, our restaurants. Um, so if we can get this going, it'd be great. It's early, we need to find a marina. Um, it's not easy for a marina operator to say yes. Well, I'd be happy to be part of the discussions, particularly with Clipper where we have our offices here. Um, this almost sounds a little too good to be true. Uh, it's been <laughs> my dream for a long time. Um, and having worked that boat show for many, many years uh, in another life, um, it, it's well attended. Um, and the Bay Area doesn't have a really good boat show right now. Um, West Point Harbor is pretty far south of the action. They've got a big facility they could easily pull it off there. From a crowd attendance perspective, I can't imagine that would be a good location. Yeah, um, that's what CYBA said. They just go, right. Sausalito is the most geographically desirable. West Point is probably the easiest to pull it off from a slip availability since new. Well, we have uh, six slips that we'd be happy to throw into the mix. Um, <laughs> that helps. Yeah, um, I, well, the, the Harbor Master was quite creative. We walked to Harbor and he's coming up with ideas, but it's the owners that need to uh, concur. So, yep. um, Anyways, that's that update. Okay. Okay. Uh, on the marketing update provided by Kevin and Monica, um, any, uh, we should turn to public comment. Search, can you see if there's public comment on item 4.2.a? And Chair Riley, I see no hands raised. Okay. Um, item 4.2.b is diversification. I'll look to John if there's any update from uh, the work that you've been doing. Um, with your subcommittee. Sure, um, I think I'll just focus on an update on the uh, vessel electrification um, project. We had another meeting between uh, Candela, the electric boat company, uh, our local microgrid company and uh, Schoonmacher Marina and um, went over to Schoonmacher and found a location uh, that would work for them to put a charger remember this is a quick charger so you don't have to uh use shore power all day it's, it's uh, 20 minutes to 80 percent charge um and uh our microgrid company has identified a grant for this a grant funding for this that they're going to be applying for um 
it looks like they may require that the uh, power is renewable, meaning we're not talking about the grid, we're talking about solar. And so that's a little bit more of a complication for the marina, but um, we're talking about that. Um, and so I think uh, people are optimistic that uh, this this could happen and um, you know drive some uh, electric boats here to town. And um, I think it'd be a, a very good thing for our city to be the first place in the Bay Area to have an electric uh, boat charger at one of the marinas. So um, I think that's all optimistic. The other part of this is uh, Candela's um, uh, the construction of their boats in uh, the U.S. could happen in Sausalito. Um, the gentleman from Candela has talked to uh, several people uh, for different locations. He needs a large location, uh, close to 40,000 square feet, so it's a little bit limiting. Um, but there are a, a few locations around, and, and he's been having some discussions, including the machine shop site um, and the Schoonmacher um, dry storage yard, um, as well as a couple others. So if that could happen, you know, at $400,000 per boat, that's a, that's a lot of sales tax for Sausalito. So everybody would really, I think, uh, be enthusiastic about making that happen. Um, and I guess the last thing I'll say is we, we've been uh, compiling a list and, and starting to talk to some other companies uh, in the sort of maritime technology field that, uh, could potentially uh, fit into Sausalito's uh, uh, working waterfront area. So um, we'll have more to say on that uh, the next meeting in a couple months. John, I will comment that on the electrification, both the charging and the manufacturing, neither of those would have any chance of even a discussion were not for your uh, being in the mix. So thank you for your leadership and you know rattling and representing us. And I just think it'd be one, to have a charging station is not only symbolic, it's going to be very frequently used. Uh, and two, if we can get that manufacturing done here, that's exactly what we want to do in the marine ship, right? Um, yeah. Maritime industry, a sustainable uh, yeah. approach. Um, super exciting. And I hope uh, the city manager and our council liaisons uh, will put a full court press in helping make this happen as well. Thanks, Tom. And on that, I will report uh, the mayor, myself, and I believe our city manager have a call on Wednesday with what's called the Marin Economic Forum that was introduced to me by Monica. Um, and it is a nonprofit uh, in the county of Marin that is actually looking for ways to um, bring businesses and jobs to the county. And we'll be meeting with them to see what kind of resources they have. We really kind of focus on the sustainability type businesses that we could attract to, uh, to our city. Okay, um, any questions for John? Many thanks, John. Hey, Tom, yes. I, I thought of one other thing just to mention real quick, and that is uh, the project on Gate 5 Road. Um, if people have seen the tall um, story poles right on Gate 5 Road, there's gonna be um, a, a uh, artist space a new artist space being created there on the Varda property, two-story, um, about 10,000 square feet. Uh, the, the floor of the new building will be raised, I think, three or four feet because of sea, future sea level rise. 
And when you drive by Gate 5 Road, it looks imposing, but you know, it's a compliant building. It's all about the artists, new studio spaces for artists, and um, it's it's really exciting. Hopefully that, you know, it's going through the process, but it's it's just been in the works for a while. Thank you for that. John, uh, it's just coincidental, but I got a letter from someone very suspicious about that building. Uh, do you mind if I connect you with that person? See it's you. a person, I think I've already, I, I think uh, I've received that letter as well through the working waterfront, but sure, go ahead. Uh, I'll follow offline, thanks. Yeah. Okay, um, Serge, uh, let's open up for public comment on item 4.2b, uh, the diversification discussion. And Chair Riley, I see no hands raised. All right, thank you. Moving on to item 4.2C, uh, business development. Uh, Monica, do you have an update for us? I just have a, a quick one because it's been a slow month. Uh, it seems like everybody's left town in August, but um, I did see the um, developer or owner of the Dita restaurant and they are proceeding in the top of the um, Trident space, the old Ondine space probably Q2, they might be finished. Um, Boba Tea, which is underneath um, Barrel House, finally got through all of the health uh, department issues and they're in our own permitting process, which I sent a note to Dan to please review and post haste, uh, let them get started for construction. So that's the bottom space of Barrel House. Uh, I think both Julie and I agree that the other tenant that is uh, a pop-up in the barrel house is sad. <laughs> um, it does not represent the kind of tenant that we would like to see in Sausalito. And I've not really talked to the owner because if it is a pop-up, maybe we let it run its course, but unfairly so, I think it becomes competitive with another um, type of tenant, the um, crystal tenant on Princess Street. So. That's just my personal opinion. Um, the Princess Street projects are still in a, a little bit of, uh, what would be the right word to say here? They still have not solved their sort of uh, uh, easement issues and things like that. Um, Don Hortart and I were to meet to talk about any way that we could help put some um, leverage on that. So that's something to happen this week, hopefully. Um, and I've also been playing phone tag with James Toe to see if we can't get him to be a good neighbor coming uh, for Christmas and maybe do some uh, cleanup of the space. I understand it's possible he may, uh, he and Bruce, Bruce may have said, to, Bruce Huff may have said to him that he should hire a, a broker that's um, more appropriate for the kind of restaurant use that he's looking for. So We'll see how that goes. Um, and I think that's that's all I have to report on some of the activities. Thank you, Monica. Thanks for keeping your finger on the pulse. Uh, I have one comment, but I want to see if anyone else has any questions for Monica before I just make a comment. Okay. Um, I, I want to bring up something that I'm not necessarily a proponent of, but it's been uh, brought up to me several times in conversations about our um, our increasing vacancy rates and some of our vacancies being there for quite a period of time. Um, increasingly around the country, there are these new vacancy tax rates being implemented. 
Um, they've been geared, they originally started around resident units, uh, taxing people keeping vacant resident units just so to provide housing. But increasingly we're seeing it around uh, retail. And um, it's really to address when you start getting a number of vacancies that really impacts the businesses around it, impacts the community, uh, reduces foot traffic. Uh, in major cities, it leads to blight. It can lead to crime. Um, and so there have been a number of vacancy, what are called uh, tax ordinances or vacancy taxes applied to landlords with longstanding vacancies. And I'll show you what I've learned. Um, the most recent one is actually in San Francisco. San Francisco voted the Senate in 2020, uh, put it on a hiatus through COVID and has now gone live on January 1st. It's called Article 29. Um, and the way they do it is if a place has been vacant more than six months in a year period, uh, that landlord is fined or taxed $250 per linear foot. If in the subsequent year, there's another six months of vacancy, it goes up to $500 a foot. And in three years of vacancies, it's $1,000 a linear foot. And these funds go back into a small business fund where they could go back into a bid, um, but they're intended to um, uh, reduce vacancies. And now the reason why there's vacancies can be because uh, it's an odd building that they can't find a, a tenant that fits into it. You know, these buildings are very heterogeneous and very different. Uh, some landlords have uh, mortgages that require minimum rents or the mortgager's approval for lowering rents. Um, and of course, landlords sometimes are a good filter themselves, wanting to make sure that they bring in a business that can be successful and not just finding the cheapest rent they can to avoid a penalty. And my other research was um, you can't take a, an approach that just penalizes landlords. You have to take a very comprehensive approach where the city comes forward with um, you know, business development activities like we're doing with EDAC, uh, streamlining permitting to help attract new tenants, uh, incentives for new tenants to work with landlords. But when you have landlords that uh, go with long period vacancies, um, you, you want to extract kind of like a social value for that or an economic value that's impacting around them. And that's what these taxes do. I saw one article that was very analogous to a carbon tax on polluting businesses, right? It's like, um, how do you offset that and provide some incentives for them to reduce pollution? So anyways, that's my research. Um, I guess the question to uh, the committee is, is this something we want to have a further discussion on? Is this something we want to form an opinion on? Or is it something we just want to not address at all? And that's my question to you. And I'm looking to Julie. Julie Vera. Tom, um, this question actually this discussion actually came up when Teresa and I were meeting with one of our city council members. And this is where an economic development department would come into effect, an actual paid person. 
um, that would meet with these landlords and talk to them and say, you know, find out why they're not renting it, or maybe go out and find a tenant for them and work with them a lot like what Monica's doing. But but a paid person that really gets down to, I mean, we have some, I've been here four and a half years and we have some businesses that have been closed that entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, maybe this taxing and maybe this money could go into hiring a business development person that would actually work for the city, work for getting everybody, you know, filled up. Then when there is a vacancy, help that person help. Right now we have John working on bringing a business into Sausalito. Actually have a a paid person. I think Sausalito would greatly benefit from an economic development um, employee. And maybe this is one way to get it started and get funding. I'm sure the city manager you know, has some ideas on that, but I, we see all of these moving parts and I think Sausalito really needs an economic development um, person to work with EDAC. Staff is overtaxed working with us and maybe this is how we start getting funding is taxing these businesses that have been shuttered for so long. Thank you, Julie. Um, let's go to Teresa and then I see the city manager has a hand up. So uh, let's go to Teresa first. She probably have a comment that a question you can answer also for her, uh, Chris. Um, so actually, you know, part of the issue too is like there are buildings that have, uh, down close by me, you know, it's been empty. It seems like at least a decade and it's graffitied and there's paper up on the wall and nothing is happening in there. It's not like they're, in some kind of permitting process. So I, I would like to see more, I guess, more of a discussion on this subject or research done. I mean, I don't think anyone's discussing projects that are like on Princess Street where they're in process of getting resolution and they want to rent. We're talking really about the buildings that are been vacant really a very long time. I mean, there's not even any maintenance happening there. It, it's like scratched and graffitied and it just doesn't look great. Yes, Teresa, in reading the ordinances and, and anyone can look up Article 29 in San Francisco, there's all these exemptions, right? And if you've got permits submitted, if you've got work going on, if you have an active broker, um, there's, there's exemptions. Um, and it is geared towards the long-term vacancies. Uh, our city manager has his hand up. Yeah. I want to thank um, Julie for highlighting that that need in Sausalito, uh, and you know it's apparent to me that um, somehow, some way, um, the city itself uh, has to redouble, renew its efforts to uh, bring in someone that's a full-time professional that works on economic development. Uh, and so uh, I can tell you that um, I've heard that from uh, people that are working for you, but are my bosses, the city council, that, you know, this is something we should focus on and highlight on. So, so uh, we're pretty close to making some major announcements with respect to people uh, and, you know, changing our business model to include uh, economic development as part of that uh, responsibility. I I don't, I don't know. I've never been in a city where there's a, a paucity of 
staff, even with redevelopment being killed, that, that would work with the business community. And we've had to create that with Heidi and myself and others. But but that's a big, big hole in this organization needs to be fixed, and we're fixing that. You'll see soon. Uh, on the uh, businesses that are vacant and unattended, um, Susley has had a history of contract code enforcement, uh, which I think is in concept could be good, but in reality uh, is created, you know, too many little uh, boxes to check in terms of calling someone, someone calling the consultant, consulting coming in. And so uh, the council this year provided a budget in community ne and economic development that allows for uh, more staffing uh, uh, and uh, provides for the consultants to to do the work that you're talking about that I'll get to next. But but code enforcement and um, building official should not be contracted out in Sausalito. They should be in-house. And that's what we're moving toward. Uh, so the third thing, which is, you know, revenue, um, I provided the city council a, a three-year approach to looking at our structural deficit. Uh, and it's not all tax. There's efficiency and there are other things that cities can do, um, partnerships to kind of help uh, attack your budget challenges here. But I'd encourage you to look at it. Uh, but but one of the things that I just had sent on this afternoon was we hired a consulting group called NHA Advisors. And uh, what they do is they look at long-term financing and other financing needs of a city. And so they've been charged with doing three things. One is figuring out, you know, how we pay for major infrastructure, undergrounding, streets, sidewalks, buildings. The other thing they're taxed with is how do we reduce our pensions? What are some options to, you know, maybe refinance some debt or do things that make our pension problem less problematic? But the other thing that relates to this conversation is I want to look see at every revenue opportunity in California that exists, whether it's a vacancy tax, uh, you know, a, a transit occupancy tax, uh, property tax uh, transfer, uh, property tax transfer that is here in Little Low, uh, all the different bells and whistles that cities can uh, approach but don't. Um, and so to give us a comprehensive list of those things. So so all that to say, um, you all are so important and the things that you're talking about today, uh, I'm only asking you for a little bit of patience and a little more involvement. And I think we will start to turn the corner uh, to a, a better and more stable uh, economic environment for our businesses and our city government. But um, uh, when this person gets hired, um, I would highly advocate that um, that person spend, you know, one full afternoon listening to all of this uh, with no agenda, just from people that are involved, like Julie, like you, Chair Riley, and others that work with businesses, all of you, to kind of hear all the, the opportunities and and some of the issues, because there are huge opportunities in Sausalito with your water and your tourism, your location. But but we're getting ready to bring somebody on board. Um, I, I talked to Councilmember Sobieski about it this morning. I thought I wouldn't talk about it, but as I hear this conversation, uh, we haven't signed this person up yet. But uh, if we do sign this person up, you'll see uh, the intent and, and what it means in terms of listening to your, your needs and the business community needs. But we need uh, a lot of work done in our community and economic development functions. So we're going to try to start uh, anew again. That's exciting, uh, Chris. Thank you. And yeah. uh, we, we await that appointment. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and it is concerning as we walk through our town, the vacancies are becoming obvious. 
and it's not giving a good experience for our visitors and our residents. And so, uh, and then, Teresa, you, you point out, you know, the blight that's actually occurring uh, near your operation. So this is something I think we can, um, when a new business development uh, staff members on board, we can educate pretty quickly on the opportunity here. And in the interim, you know, I think uh, I might even do a little more research on these uh, vacancy uh, tax ordinances, just mm -hmm. so we know what that tool is about. Yeah, sure. thank you. Okay, uh, on Monica's update on business development, any other questions before we go to public comment? Right, Serge, uh, can we open up for public comment on item 4.2C? Chair Riley, I see no hands raised. Wonderful. Um, can we go to the non-existent on our agenda, but item 4.2D, which is a lighting update that I forgot to put on there for Cass. Oh, sure, thank you, Chair Riley. Um, well, I, as, as you guys probably know, I've been searching for a fiscal sponsor for the lighting project. Uh, who can deal with, you know, the insurance problems uh, and mostly the insurance problems that could come up. Um, I reached out to Sausalito Beautiful. They are so excited about lighting downtown Sausalito. They think it's the greatest thing in the world, but they won't be our fiscal sponsor. Um, so, but they want to be involved, which is great. I think it, it's, it, it's very appropriate and it'll be very advantageous to have Sausalito Beautiful involved in the project but we're still searching for a fiscal sponsor. So um, I'm actually not traveling for a while, which will be good so I can put more energy into this. Uh, Monica sent me the link to an organization in Marin that is a nonprofit that specifically does, you know, it acts as a fiscal sponsor for projects like this. So I'm gonna reach out to them. And then I know that um, Julie had a conversation with council member um, Sobieski about uh, he might have some ideas too. You know, the bottom line is we can do a GoFundMe site. If that's, you know, that's kind of, I'd, I'd really rather not go that way probably because I'm unfamiliar with it. Uh, so I should get over that. Um, but I really would like to get these up by the, by the holidays. And so I'm going to put concerted effort into it now. Julie, do you have a question or comment? Um, yes, I, I think that the insurance part is what kind of scares uh, the nonprofits. I, I mean, that's quite honestly, I talked to our CPA and, and she said no, that we shouldn't act as a pass through, especially something that we don't have control over whether they're going to work correctly or if they fall on somebody. Um, but um, I know that I think uh, community foundations do this a lot, and I don't know if Marin has a community foundation. I don't know that a community foundation would take on the responsibility of the insurance. I think the insurance part is what we really need to figure out, and that's what's scaring. I mean, it scared us. It scared us a little beautiful. So um, I think the insurance part, and, and maybe our city manager has some ideas on that that might help us out. Um, according to the knowledge I have, Sausalito Beautiful wasn't scared off by the insurance. They, their, their accountant, who is a volunteer, is totally overworked and just cannot take on another project. But I agree with you, the insurance is an issue. 
And I'm going to reach, I want to reach out to this organization Monica told me about. It's called Marin Link. And it looks like that's, this is what they do. Um, so I will be reaching out to them uh, shortly. And I'd love to meet with you and Ian. Uh, if there are other ideas, that would be great. Teresa. Um, I was just going to say, if you end up having to go the GoFundMe route, to let me know, I'll help you get it set up and established. Great, thank you. I, yeah. That would be wonderful. Thanks. I've done them before, but I think we need to address the insurance thing. Well, I'm, I'm just curious, and not to put our city manager on the spot, but when we did Southview Park and we raised $80,000 of donations, uh, Parks and Rec set up a GoFundMe account. And the, the funds ended up in the city, and the city spent the funds. Is that not something we could do with the lighting? I put you on the spot. Sorry. Oh, you're talking to me? Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm flummoxed by this. Um, so... Um, the insurance concern, who is raising that? Is it our staff? No, no, not at all. Uh, the, uh, no, it's not your staff at all. Okay. Uh, yeah, so we pursued putting the donations into the city and the city yeah. allocating the funds for the lights. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I don't, you know, I've, that's worked many times where the city's the fiscal agent for the pass-through so that the funds can be tracked and documented. We just have to do some accounting that says it's a separate fund and how we do all that. We need to be set up with our finance department. But if having a fiscal agent is what I'm hearing you say is your issue, yep. uh, then, then, then you know, I don't know why the city could not be the fiscal agent for this project. It's a, a one-time expense that you're running through to get something done. And I'm guessing there might be annual contributions to it in future years to expand it or maybe some maintenance down the road. But I don't see that as a big, big deal. And the insurance one, I'm a little puzzled by that. Uh, so who's raising the insurance questions if it's not the city staff? Uh, it's, it's Yeah, I haven't actually talked to city staff at all. I didn't think that the city was actually an option, uh, uh, city manager. So I'm excited <laughs> that she may be. Uh, <laughs> We're the ultimate nonprofit. <laughs> yeah, that's what I understood as well from one of our very first meetings that the city manager said that the city was the staff just couldn't take it on right now. That's why we were looking for another fiscal agent. Yeah. Um, well, no, it was okay. No, we we definitely, um, you know what they say in the Bible, let there be light. <laughs> um, so, so how do we make this happen, I guess, is so if you want to sit down with me and Kevin and um, and talk about how we do it in terms of the physical pieces of that's what I was thinking of, uh, that we had very limited people that could actually put the lights up, uh, but paying for the lights in partnership with different groups, but uh, administering the funds that that shouldn't be a problem. Okay, that's great. Um, yeah, paying for it hasn't been a problem. Yeah. We've been able to get so much buy-in from 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 the businesses. They're very excited about it. Now, Sausalito Beautiful is, so we can run this. Um, that would be great. I'd love to come and talk to you about it and just yeah, and kind of figure out how to do it. Yeah, we can pay the contractor. Yeah, there's ways to do it. There's the cities got um, the um, is it a vehicle that can happen with. Uh, not, not to worry about that, but 
the actual work would be done by a contractor is my understanding. Yep, yep. and I, I've talked to two contractors, two different contractors who both are really excited about doing the work. Yeah, if I wasn't clear, that was the bottleneck is the city staff to put the lights up and okay. then getting money to pay for the lights. But, but, but managing the funds is not a problem. Awesome, that's great. Great news, thank you, uh, Mr. Zapata. Cass, uh, wonderful news. Um, and there is some urgency, getting enough for the holidays and the, the darkness is coming and the return investment is to keep you know our merchants open later and have more people downtown in the evenings. Uh, it was a pretty good return on investment. Okay, um, any other questions on the lighting project? Serge, we shall open for a public comment on Cass's update regarding lighting. And Chair Riley, I see no hands raised. All right, let there be light. Um, okay, uh, business item 4.3, and I'll set this up for our city manager. It was just to get, we submitted a letter to the city manager pursuant to staff's request on how we streamline our meeting operations. Uh, we submitted a letter to go to uh, every other month meetings um, to cut our workload on staff in half. Um, and I'm very supportive of that. Um, I just wanted to see if Mr. Zapata has any other direction or feedback uh, post our submitting that letter or just a general sense on our other committees helping you reduce staff workload and anything else we can do. Yeah, I, I'll be very quick. First of all, thank you and your team for taking this seriously and you know doing the work to figure out what might make some sense in terms of staff burden. Um, uh, Unfortunately, um, maybe my memo wasn't clear enough to the different committees, commissions, task force, boards, et cetera, that you know, I was looking for a specific response by a specific date. So I'm going to extend that um, deadline a little bit uh, so that I can have a more um, a broader representation of what's come in from different boards, commissions, committees, task forces to give to the city council and a report. My sense of this chair, Riley, and members of EDAC is, um, you know, there is a lot of uncertainty right now. You got city council election, you got financial uh, concerns, you have what I call uh, staffing changes. Sir, did you know, you mentioned is leaving. Uh, so we have to do this, but my sense is, is uh, people have been occupied with other things, unlike you all. And so I have to redouble my request uh, to get others to participate the way you have and then uh, provide that information to council. So my thinking is, is that's going to take me another month and a half. And by the time the council reviews it in October, November, uh, the, the effective date of implementing these types of changes, uh, whether it's to um, uh, consolidate, uh, status quo, disband, meet less often, different committees that the council is going to have to, to decide on. That wouldn't happen until the first part of January. So I think that informs your discussion down the road on 4A um, and 4B and having a conversation with council member Hoffman who apologizes that she couldn't be here. Uh, she has a, a, a double booking as she called it. So she said, if I could convey to you all, thank you. Number one, your work is appreciated in terms of trying to uh, shrink it, shrink the responsibilities on staff and still be a partner to the city. Uh, but she's uh, very uh, keen on, there are changes that may be coming in the city that will impact you know, uh, all the boards, commissions, committees, 
including this one, uh, because you do have two seats up in November. Uh, you obviously have uh, some other things important on the ballot as well. The city council typically meets in uh, the fall to plan, to plan strategically. And so all of that to say that would impact the future of boards, commissions, and committees going forward. So uh, what you're doing right now is really important and you're the ones that have done it. Uh, there are a couple of other uh, boards committees that have done it, but uh, by and large, it's been uh, not a good response. And I blame that on myself. Uh, maybe I wasn't as clear as I could have been in my memo to the folks I sent it to, but but I'll resend that and see if people participate this time. All right, thank you for that. And and we do respect that um, uh, these meetings are a burden on staff, right? And all the follow-up and action items, what have you. So. Um, I do recommend we go to our every other uh, month cadence until we get further direction from um, city council and, and our city manager, uh, just especially with Serge leaving, who's been supporting these meetings. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and I won't ask the question of who's going to be supporting going forward. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll assume you will solve that. Yeah. But uh, okay, thank you for that feedback. Any um, questions for Mr. Zapata? All right, uh, I do need to ask for public feedback on item number 4.3. And Chair Riley, I see no hands raised. Great. Um, item 4.4, which Mr. Zapata alluded to, is about EDAC membership appointments. Um, I, I, it sounds like we want to pause on these, but I do want to give everyone an update on where we're at. I'm going to share a screen if that's okay. Um, PowerPoint. And uh, is that visible? Yes, thank you, Cass. So just bring everyone at this uh, speed, we are, the city council can appoint up to 12 members uh, to our EDAC. On the left is our current membership and we have one opening position um, on the 12th. We also have two city council liaisons, they're currently Ian and Jill, um, the two council members. Uh, Julie represents the Chamber of Commerce. We actually um, have an opening for a 94965 liaison. And we also are supposed to have one alternate. Um, and like at one point, Bob Lalonde was an alternate and then he uh, became a member. So that's the membership and the three openings we currently have. Um, the makeup of our memberships, first off, um, we have staggered terms, one year, two year, and three year terms. And you can see three members, four members, five members per term that makes up the 12 members. Members can't serve more than six cumulative years. And, um, and then officers are supposed to be elected uh, annually. You notice in the upper right, uh, five of us have already had our terms expire back in April and June. Uh, John, Scott, Rachel, Malcolm, and Monica. Uh, and then you can see uh, the remaining uh, members when their terms expire. And three of us have already had second appointments, Cass, Don, and Teresa. Uh, both of, all three of which will have reached, I think, four years at the end of these terms. So they could even be reelected one more time to stand that six cumulative years. So that's the um, current appointments. Um, so in summer, we have 
basically five positions have expired. We have one open position, an open liaison, an open alternate. Um, back in May, uh, seven residents and one liaison applied for these open positions. Uh, and they were interviewed by city council. And no appointments have been made because um, we're waiting to see what the direction is around committees in general, right? And how many we want, are we gonna be consolidated with another? And I don't think it's anything specific to EDAC, it's just in general, revisiting committees and our city managers inform us that'll probably happen you know, after the election. Um, but one of the things in, in possibly Ian, if you are uh, attending at this moment, um, if we can get some direction. Um, our five current members whose terms have expired are all interested in continuing. Um, and I'd like to just, it'd be very simple to say we reappoint them. Um, and that way there's not that ambiguity if they're continuing members. Um, I also understand that there is a person from 94965 Marin City who has expressed interest. It would be nice to you know, have that liaison participating in our discussions for as long as we have them as an EDAC. Um, and those two things I think would be great if we can just kind of make perfunctory. Um, the third bullet here, appointing one member and one alternate from the seven resident maybe may not make sense to do at this time until we know if asking someone new to join a committee that may change, um, we may not want to do it this time. Um, but then I have one final thing, which is we haven't addressed the discussion around officers. And I also think we should tee that up um, at our next meeting and actually have um, a discussion about who our chair, vice chair and secretary should be. So I'm gonna pause here and, and Ian, are you with us? I am Tom, Chair uh, Riley, yes. And I uh, just, <clears throat> I'm not a lawyer, and, but I did ask uh, our city attorney some time ago about this situation where we have a number of boards and commissions EDAC is not the only one that has individuals that continue to serve, even though their terms have technically expired. And I asked our city attorney if that was a problem. <clears throat> and she told me at the time that uh, the practice in Sausalito, this is not an unusual situation in Sausalito, and that the historic practice has been to simply allow uh, members to continue to serve until there is a change uh, directed by city council. So I'm sure that at a certain point that can get so long in the tooth as to create a problem, but I, I just thought I would convey the substance of, substance of that conversation to you uh, since it's on point to what you're asking about. Well, well, thank you for that. It just seems as though that's just, uh, come next spring, we're gonna have more people expiring. <laughs> and uh, it's um, it would seem if we have five current members, uh, I love this committee, everyone works extremely well together that wanna continue there must be an official way to say, let's extend those terms. Um, and that doesn't take away from, you know, at some point the city council saying, we want to rethink this committee and its mission and its size. Um, so that's our request. Um, and to the five who terms have expired, I hope you are comfortable continuing in uh, serving until we find out otherwise. 
And Ian, your thoughts on the 94965 liaison? There is one person that has raised their hand. I do not know the person. Um, we don't have access to this list. You know, I, I, what I can do is I'll bring this up to the uh, in in uh, city council member reports uh, at our next meeting. It, it's not really up to me, obviously. It's just the liaison. Uh, and EDAC is not the only uh, board and commission. With the situation of members who are uh, continuing to serve past their uh, terms of office. So uh, it's a citywide situation uh, now that probably needs some kind of uh, guidance from my colleagues. Okay. That, and I'm sorry to catch you off guard, Councilmember. Yes, that's my role is to take um, this back. I will take back this request. Your slide is direct, and I have taken a picture of it. Okay, thank you. And I can provide it to you if you want to. Okay, that would be great if you could do that. Uh, and then for our other um, council members, our, our committee members, um, at our next meeting, I do think we should uh, nominate uh, individuals for the uh, roles. Um, and, you know, reach uh, agreement on who should be our chair, our vice chair, and our secretary. Um, I, I enjoy the job, but it also, I realize that you, you know, one person can channel the direction of things, right, and setting the agendas, and uh, we may want, you know, I suggest a fresh look and a fresh approach. Um, so is everyone comfortable we tee that up as an agenda item in our next meeting? I see one head nodding. I can't, I'm gonna take this presentation down actually. Stop share, so I can see everybody on my screen. All right, everyone's comfortable with that? Yes, okay, uh, thumbs up, I got everyone. All right, um, with this, I'm gonna close out item 4.4. And uh, Serge, can we open up for public comment? And Chair Riley, I see no hands raised. Okay. Um, the other, so item 4.5 was, I, I was gonna foster a conversation on subcommittees going forward, but maybe we should wait until we have the discussion around, you know, our new officers leading the, the group, uh, better visibility into the size that our group will be, uh, any new members. Um, but in my notes, I was gonna share just ideas and we can have it as discussion now and not finalize things, but maybe make it one of our upcoming agenda items. Um, I think our um, marketing, uh, our events uh, is doing extremely well. And um, I just wanna continue that great work. Um, if you look at just, you know, just the press coverage that Sausalito is getting, the quality, uh, the metrics that we're tracking, it's something that the city's never had. And then you look at, um, you know, the events, and I'll, I'll call Monica, you know, just driving a bunch of events and the Wednesday night lives and the holiday events coming up. That's great work that we should continue doing. And I think we should um, uh, even, you know, provide more resources into those committees kind of working on that. Um, the other two things, and we talked about it here, um, and our city manager alluded to us having a uh, economic development person, but I was saying that we can really focus in two kind of business development efforts. Um, one into what we, what Monica has been leading around our retail and commercial segment. 
uh, and the other around um, our industrial, our maritime, um, our sustainability initiatives. Um, and really kind of, you know, so I, I go, if we line ourselves, we're gonna decide today we can have a discussion around, you know, kind of marketing events and promoting Sausalito and then doing, uh, in hopefully working with a staff member around uh, economic development focused on um, our industrial maritime industry, what we want to do around sustainability. So what John was talking about electrification and bringing in some manufacturers doing some really cool things. And then of course, our retail business core. And that'd be a great way to divide our efforts and in, in align us into subcommittees. And the importance of subcommittees in alignment is, is we go to these every other month cadence. Um, we wanna make sure that these committees are kind of charging in those two month sprints. Uh, and then we're getting kind of coming back and meeting with EDAC and advancing things on an every two month cadence. So I think we could do it around a structure like that. So not suggesting we finalize that now, but just I thought I'd bring it up as conversation. Any thoughts? Tom, um, I didn't raise my hand, but nobody else is talking. Okay. Uh, I think the subcommittees, for us to succeed with this every other month cadence, the subcommittees are really gonna be important. And if they're not strong, uh, we won't succeed. So I think the attention put on them is, is totally warranted. Great. I have that same sense, it's like, um... And, and we have some great subcommittees, but I think we'd also rethink about which ones we each want to be a part of and make sure that we have critical mass um, and you know, better delegation across team members. And I think this, this group can get so much done. It's just very smart people with uh, great, great skills. So um, you're reaffirming what I believe we need to do. Okay, um, I won't force you guys to make comments. Um, so with that, uh, we do need to call for a public comment on item 4.5. Chair Riley, I see no hands raised. Okay, uh, we're gonna move to item five, which is just uh, updates from our liaisons. Um, and we'll start with uh, Julie. And um, Julie, can you provide an update from the chamber and your perspective, please? Um, sure. The two updates that I have is, um, I'm gonna, let me change this because you can never see with that background, um, is we have the map that is being worked on right now. And then the other thing that we have is the visitor guide. And so the visitor guide is going to start um, the 20th of September, we have hired a, uh, well, it's a visitor and business directory. We have hired um, a staff salesperson to go out and uh, talk to businesses about getting this going again. The last time that we published it, um, it landed in February of 2020. And in March of 2020, we all know what happened. And so it, we did not, we have not done one since due to COVID and the economic, you know, situation. 
so the board decided that we needed we needed these. We have not. We have very few left. In fact, we have a hotel next door to us, not in a book type, but um, who's hoarding four boxes because they don't want to run out before the new one comes in. So um, this is going to be a very, and I think CDA. Um, should get involved and, and kind of uh, everybody work on this together to really make this a great experience and something really good to um, put out for uh, Sausalito. And then the other thing is that we are hopefully looking forward to uh, construction next door move to keep on moving. They were closed for about five weeks um, due to some um, seismic and planning issues. And so we, they got that resolved. And then we have a bunch of things coming up in the next couple months. We have a um, sweepstakes raffle that is going to happen. We have a um, uh, bingo tournament that we are going to start um, once a quarter. We're going to have bingo and bring people in from other places. And we're going to partner with Barrel House uh, to host them there. And so, uh, you know, we, just, we have a lot going, we have a lot going on right now. The visitor center is, um, we're slowing down because that's the time of year, but I think everything is positive and we've got a lot going. Thank you, Julie. And I know it's tough to get uh, visitors into the visitor center with all the construction, but when that's done, you will have a beautiful uh, front entrance to your uh, we just need to survive until then. <laughs> yes. Um, Council Member Sobieski, do you have an update? Thanks, Chair Riley. I don't really have anything in addition. The main point was what we've already covered, and uh, the lighting and BID subjects have been thoroughly discussed. So I will convey back the substance of your uh, request to my colleagues. Thank you. Thank you, Council Member. Uh, and finally, to our star of the show today, our city manager, Chris Zapata. Do you have uh, anything we haven't discussed that you'd like to bring up for us? And he probably thought he was done with us. So uh, we, will, uh, we will move on. Um, and I have to provide uh, an opportunity for public comment on those updates. So uh, Serge, can you let me know if there's any public comment on item business item five? Sure, Chair Riley, I see no other hands raised at the moment. Okay, we're Chair Riley, I noticed that uh, uh, the city manager unmuted himself, so he may be available. Maybe not. Mr. Zapata, are you with us? Chair Riley does appear as uh, Mr. Zapata is in the room, but he is not at the moment responding. Okay. Um, he's provided quite a bit of an update uh, throughout the course of the meeting. Um, so we're now just kind of setting our next meeting date and time uh, and our future agenda items. So I'm proposing we go uh, set a meeting for two months from today, which is November 7th from 3 to 5 p.m. Um, does that date work for everyone? I see, Monica, you have your hand up. Was that last item or this item? You're on mute, Monica. I missed an opportunity for something I can talk about when you're done with everything. Okay. Um, it was November 7th from 3 to 5 p.m. Work for everybody. Yes. Okay. And it seems this 3 to 5 p.m. hour is working better for folks as well. Yeah. Um, any uh, 
specific requests for agenda items other than items we discussed today. Yes, Julie. I think that we'll need a um, updated report on the on the bid, and then also if we're still having stumbling blocks with the, with the lighting, hopefully that will all be taken care of. But um, I, I think that would be definitely because we want them up before the holidays. All right. Yes. Thank you. And now to throw it over to Monica Finnegan. I'm sorry. Sorry. Um, I just realizing that we're not meeting in October. I wanted to maybe give a quick update on Sausalito Center for the Arts, if that's okay. Um, we are hoping to demolish the teller space and the glass partitions this week, um, which will totally change the uh, layout of the interior and allow for a lot more opportunity. That being said, um, Louis Briones is working on a um, art festival that would be um, housed on uh, October 14th through 16th, which I think would, would be a, a fun opportunity to sort of soft show, a soft opening for the um, uh, Center for the Arts. And then we just had programming meeting today and we're working really hard on a January opening uh, programming session that I think is gonna be very exciting. So we have more news on that, but I just, there's going to be some work and it's going to be changing. And I just wanted to make sure that October um, art uh, program was um, somehow on the calendar. So that's, that's it. Thank you. Very exciting. Yes, great. Um, Monica, do you have um, some materials on the October weekend? Uh, it, it's on the web. So okay. Lewis is dedicated. He's like glued to the web. He puts everything on there. He's really good at doing all of that. The calendar's up uh, for the next few things. He's calendaring Wednesday Night Live and things like that for us. So I would go to the web and if you need more, let me know and we can help you. Okay, because I, I, I'd like to get something out to our guests okay. on that. And yeah. just in general on the Arts Center, um, we should talk about maybe we can uh, focus some of our PR around the art center. They, I know that that's on CDA's uh, agenda. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. But I meant for our uh, for. Oh, um, I see. Okay. For Got the ends. Yeah. Too. Well, now that we're free forming and we have a couple minutes, um, one of the things I thought that in Kevin's presentation about this Center for the Arts was this conference campus that you're promoting. Um, and when you look at that brochure, and it's like promoting. Uh, the free to be and it's promoting hotels and it's promoting restaurants and this is just the meeting venue in the center. Uh, that's really exciting. But I have one concern. Having as many of you have attended and held many of these conferences, you expect, you know, great Wi-Fi, you expect great cell coverage, you expect great video, AV, breakout rooms. Uh, is SEA making that level of investment, Monica? We're fundraising. I just I'm just completing a request for all the audio visual uh, equipment that we need. We have a budget of about 12,000 for that. And uh, Lewis is in charge of the network and the infrastructure for that. So he's working hard on that. So yes, we hope, hopefully have that uh, in the works. All right, thank you. Any questions for Monica's uh, last agenda item update? 
I should open for public comment on that last agenda item. <laughs> Serge, anyone within the public wanted to make a comment? All right. Currently, I don't see any 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 hands raised. Serge, that's the last time I could ask you to ask for public comment. So I'm going <laughs> to ask it again. <laughs> so uh, with that, um, our meeting is adjourned. Thank you, everyone, for a very productive meeting. Um, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Serge. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Serge. Thank you, Serge. Yes. Take care. Good luck. Bye -bye. Thank you. Thank you.